This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We're very much looking forward to part two of our talk with author Gerald Nachman about his excellent book, Raised on Radio. Having heard part one last week, one of my neighbors came over to tell me a, uh, a funny story about radio legends George Burns and Jack Benny, which I think we'll uh, have uh, my neighbor come on the show to tell you about personally probably next week. There's a whole wonderful world of uh, old-time radio programs out there, and if you know nothing about them, uh, well, you've got a treat in store for you because if you invest a little energy in learning about them, I think your time will be well rewarded. Before we start the show in our usual fashion, I do want to mention a couple time-sensitive issues. First off, next week we have the Occasional Cannabis Comedy Festival, a fundraising event for Prop 19. Featured prominently in the lineup will be Guy O'Beelum, who was on the show, I guess, a couple months back, and we're going to bring him back now to, to talk about this. Welcome back to Radio Parallax and Guy O'Beelum. Good to be back. How's everything going with you, man? Things are going okay. Let's let's just talk about this uh, little uh, little little festival you're putting on. This is the tenth uh, or eleventh occasional cannabis comedy festival that we do every so often at the Punchline <laughs> in Sacramento. We do it everywhere. Actually, we've done it in uh, San Francisco. We'll be there on October nineteenth. We've done it in New Orleans. We've done it in L.A. We did it in Portland. I think we're going to bring it up to Seattle this year. It's just. Uh, we get together a bunch of comics, everybody comes out, we tell some jokes, we have a good time, and then we hang out in the parking lot doing what comes naturally. You're at the punchline, I guess, on uh, on the Tuesday the 12th and Wednesday the 13th? That's right. It's a two-day event. We started, it was just one day, but the response has been so uh, wonderful here up in Sacramento that we've, we've expanded it to two days. Caitlin Gill will be there, Haley Boyle, everybody's favorite atheist, Keith Lowell Jensen will be there both nights. DJ Mervin, who's uh, one of the funniest kids on the scene up in Sacramento right now, will be there. Uh, it's going to be a great time. There'll be a raffle. I think last year we gave away a grow system and uh, a couple big plants. Um, so come on up, and all the uh, proceeds go to benefit Americans for safe access which uh, ensures that Americans have safe access to medical marijuana throughout the country. It's one of my favorite organizations. All right. So I was thinking this is a benefit for the, the initiative on the ballot, but I guess not exactly. The one in San Francisco on October 19th is definitely a benefit for the initiative on the ballot. Okay. Yes, on 19, on the 19th. Okay. Um, and this one up here, we'll probably give a, a little money to uh, Yes, on 19, but most of this is going to go to Americans for safe access. All right, and looking down at the punchlines, little blurb from the paper. I guess you're you're not the only one. I don't know if you know anything about this, but I guess in the 31st there'll be another event as well with Doug Benson. It's funny you should mention that because I'm actually going to host an MC that oh. event on the 31st with uh, Doug Benson. He's doing one in San Francisco on the 30th as well, and these are special. Uh, it's almost like a matinee show because it starts at 4:20 in the afternoon. Oh, which if you understand the community, you understand the significance. Why don't you explain that to people, because I just learned about this recently, what 420 meant. Four, well, 420 has uh, become known as like universal time to indulge in a little bit of cannabis <laughs> or marijuana. Uh, it started with these guys who were in high school who used to get out of school at 410 out of Marin, and so they would meet every day at 420. <laughs> and then from there, and then that was maybe in the 80s, late 70s, and then from there, it grew and grew, and so now it's uh, it's always 420 somewhere. And uh, do you have a website for more information? 
Uh, you can uh, check me at uh, westcoastcannabis.com. You can also follow me on the Twitter at NGAIO420. And find me on Facebook. We're easy to get along with. And also um, uh, the Punchline, punchlinecomedyclub.com has more information on it as well. All right. Well, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are going to want to check it out, and we, we encourage them to do so. And we need to have you come back uh, probably as about the time uh, the election's rolling around to talk about this one more, one more go-through. That's fantastic. Tell all your listeners that if they uh, come up to me and say they heard me on Radio Parallax, I will give them a special gift. Well, you've already told them. I don't need to. Oh, well, there you go, then. Spread the word again. All right. Thanks, We also want to put a plug in for fans of the Firesign Theater, and I know there are a fair number of you out there. The Wacky Quartet will be performing at what's described as venues throughout Superior and Lesser California, starting with the Marin Center Showcase Theater in San Rafael this Friday the 8th. This will be followed the next day by the Golden State Theater in Monterey, a presentation of I Think We're All Bozos on This Bus. We've had, of course, Phil Proctor, the voice of Ralph Spoilsport, and others on this show a couple times. We'll probably air a clip or two uh, late in our third segment today. But as I say, I know that some of you are fans, and I'm sure that uh, many of you are going to want to attend one of those two events. But let us begin today's program as we like to do with On This Date in History, our date in question being the 7th of October. It was on October 7th in the year 3761 B.C., according to Jewish tradition, that God created the world. Say what you want about the ancient Jewish people, they were not the best historians. This is the supposed date that Adam and Eve were created in the Garden of Eden, and the Jewish New Year is based upon this date. In fact, it was about this time in ancient Egypt when uh, they began to use papyrus as a medium for written records. Apparently the Israelites did not have access to those papyruses. On October 7th in 1492, at the suggestion of Martin Pinzon, commander of the Pinta, Christopher Columbus changed his course. Five days later, he discovered the Bahamas. And no, we're not aware of him founding any financial institutions to facilitate money laundering. On October 7th in 1571, the Christian and Ottoman naval forces clashed at the Battle of Lepanto. In four hours of fighting, the Turkish fleet was defeated. This checked the expansion of Islam into Western Europe and marked the last time in history that ore-driven galleys were used in naval warfare. Apparently now that artillery had been developed, the uh, ore-driven galleys didn't do so well anymore. On October 7th, 1922, the first program to be broadcast by a network of radio stations aired the 1922 World Series to the region around New York City. New York, no doubt, had a lot of interest because the Yankees played the Giants and beat them in five games. Now, in case you're confused, it was the New York Giants back then. And on this date in 1949, less than five months after Great Britain, the U.S., and France established the Federal Republic of Germany, or West Germany, Joseph Stalin set up the GDR, the Democratic Republic of Germany, East Germany. This abortion of a nation-state lasted 41 years and was finally reunified with the West in 1990. All right, our quote and quip of the day comes from playwright Wilson Misner, whose 
one of our favorites. The quote is, When you take stuff from one writer, it's plagiarism. But when you take it from many writers, it's research. The quip is, I've spent several years in Hollywood, and I still think the movie heroes are in the audience. Our stat of the day is four. That's the number of possible Republican presidential candidates in 2012 who now have exclusive contracts with Rupert Murdoch's Fox News. These include Sarah Palin, Newt Gingrich, Rick Santorum, and Mike Huckabee. The quartet are contractually forbidden from appearing on other networks unless Fox grants an exemption. It's according to Politico.com. And for our joke of the day, let's go back to Ngai Obilam. Uh, this will be joke 47A, joke 47A if you have the book at home. Twelve-year-old boy is in bed playing with himself, and his father catches him at it. He says, son, you keep that up, you're going to go blind. And the child says, dad, I'm over here. Thanks, Ngaio. Let's augment our joke of the day with some faux news from the Humor Times. Item under Existers Movement Gathers Steam reports that in what might be the most serious challenge to Barack Obama's legitimacy as president, a new poll shows that one in five Americans are not convinced that Mr. Obama exists. The poll conducted by the University of Minnesota revealed that 23% of those surveyed strongly agreed with the statement, I believe that Barack Obama's birth was faked just like the moon landing. And we have the headline, Barking Dog Mistaken for Tea Party Candidate. Dateline, Jefferson City, Missouri. An agitated Doberman pincher apparently jumped on the stage at a Tea Party rally in Missouri on Labor Day and barked at the crowd for nearly 20 minutes before people realized he was not a candidate. The dog, later identified by its owner as Mr. Buster, held the crowd spellbound as he barked, growled, and frothed at the mouth, eventually receiving a standing ovation for his exertions. While the discovery that Mr. Buster was not a Tea Party candidate disappointed many in the audience, Gwendolyn Thomason said she held out hope that, dog or no, he might consider running for office at some point. She said, I like the way he did business in the middle of the stage. We need more of that in Washington. All right, let's see if we can't do the good, the bad, and the ugly, shall we? It was a good week last week for political correctness when it was revealed that... 250,000 British children had been reported to their government for, quote, racist, unquote, language. Under the Race Relations Act of 2000, British teachers are required to report children as young as three. And unfortunately, we have no examples to supply of what constitutes racist language. It was apparently a bad week last week for Volvo which was testing a new pedestrian avoidance system in front of an audience of journalists in Italy, only to see its car run over three test dummies. And it was an ugly week for coin collectors when it was revealed that an exceedingly rare 1943 penny, mistakenly struck in bronze and believed to be the only specimen of its kind, sold for $1.7 million by a dealer in New Jersey to an anonymous buyer. 
The dealer called it the world's most valuable penny. Remember back when I was a boy collecting pennies? Uh, my understanding was this was this was the holy grail for penny collectors. Uh, in 1943, due to a copper shortage during World War II, all the pennies that year were struck in steel. As I recall, the existence of one struck in, uh, in bronze or copper was considered to be a little more than a rumor. Although I remember oh so well getting a call from uh, Gary Ball, my neighbor, asking me if uh, 1943 pennies were all in steel. And I said, yeah, as far as I know, they were. And he said, I think I've got one that's in copper. So I went out the door and down the street and over to Gary's house. And he showed me a 1943 penny that was clearly copper colored. Didn't look right, however. And judging by the cagey look on his face, I figured that he'd painted it. I looked at him and said, you spray painted this. I could see for a minute he thought about lying, but realized I had him and owned up to it. Now, uh, I've always wondered how it is somebody at the Mint accidentally struck a penny in some other type of metal. I've always had a sneaking suspicion that a lot of these uh, valuable coins that turn up, somebody at the Mint kind of went out of his way to create, knowing that there'd be a market for it. That's just my suspicion. If you have any data on this, why don't you drop us a line at info at Radio Parallax. Curious minds want to know. And by the way, we've taken the position on this program in the past and need to do so again today that it's time we got rid of the penny. It costs 1.5 cents to mint a penny, which is made of 98% zinc. Oddly enough, it's the nickel that contains 75% copper. They cost 6 cents to make, by the way. The mint lost $22 million last year making pennies and nickels. And truthfully, considering the debasement of our currency, rounding everything off to the tenth of a dollar and making the dime the smallest coin would work fine. We also got to get rid of the dollar bill. It only costs five cents to make a dollar bill, whereas a dollar coin costs 30 cents. Dollar bill only lasts 21 months in circulation, however, whereas a coin can last 25 years. Penny Lane, there is a barber showing photographs Of every head he's had the pleasure to know And all the people that come and go Stop and say hello All right, you're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We need to take a short break, after which we'll come back and resume our chat with Gerald Nachman about old-time radio. Hey. 